Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. I'm getting to be an old guy. I feel like I've been on this planet a long time. But I will tell you, never in my lifetime do I remember a time when America needed God so desperately. All the division and hatred and crime in the streets and looting and all uh, the disease now and deaths from COVID and Wow, does America need God more than I ever remember. And we, we need something that's called revival. You know, back in the 1950s, America was a more godly nation. Lots of people went to church. In the 1950s, it was safe to turn on the TV set. And then slowly but surely, in the 60s and 70s, we just started to lose it. Now in America, we got all the pornography, premarital sex, abortion. Now we have gay marriage and America has lost it. We need to get back to God. We need what is called revival. Two Sundays ago, I was out of town and I visited a Presbyterian, I'm a Lutheran, but I visited a Presbyterian church. This is a good Presbyterian church. They're part of the PCA Presbyterians, very biblical. But I, I met this woman uh, and she says to me, I'm worried about my daughter and her husband. They go to a, a liberal PCUSA uh, Presbyterian church in Ohio. My daughter and her husband are now marching in gay pride parades. Why? Because their Presbyterian pastor is marching in gay pride parades. And I heard that and I thought, you know, not just America needs revival. The church in America needs revival. So um, today we're going to discover how revival might happen. I will tell you, I've only seen revival once in my life, but let me tell you the story. I, this is many years ago. I was a youth director at a church. We took a bunch of teenagers to Bible camp. At the evening session, the evangelist said, if you've never accepted Christ and want to turn from sin to Christ, come forward. And a very troubled teenager that I knew went forward and accepted Christ that night. We all went back to our cabins. About 2 a.m., I get a knock on my door, and Tom, would you come down to the chapel? And uh, they got uh, the pastor, too, and we both went down to the chapel. And he, I've never seen anything like this. There were maybe 12 boys, teenagers, sitting by themselves all over the chapel. And it was just quiet in there. And what had happened is the teenager went back to the cabin, told the guys that he got saved. They all wanted to get saved. And I remember we took each boy by themselves up to the altar. We knelt and they wept. They confessed their sins. They accepted Christ. And I think that's, that's called revival. Today, let's talk about revival. Uh, way back in 1904 was the famous Welsh revival over in England. And a London reporter gets on the train 
goes over to Wales, gets off the train and says to a policeman, where's the revival tonight? I'm, I'm here to cover the revival. And the policeman looked up, patted his chest, sir, tonight the revival is right under these buttons. <laughs> so would you take out your Bible? We're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to go back to about the year 49 AD, when the Apostle Paul came to um, Thessalonica, a city back then in Greece, and revival hit. And six things happened and brought revival. Would you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and before we begin, let's pray. Father God, we pray for America. We desperately need revival in our land with all of the chaos and bitterness and hatred and violence and disease and death. Lord God, I believe you're in control of all this. You're trying to get our attention. So Lord, we pray for America, for revival to come, your Holy Spirit to come, especially, Lord, for the church to be revived. And God, speak to us now about how that might happen for each and every one of us watching this show. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we're going back to 49 AD, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Six steps in revival, starting at verse 4. Paul writes, For we, the apostles, know brothers in Thessalonica, loved by God, that God has chosen you. The first step in revival is God chooses you. I mean, do you understand that? Do you understand that you did not choose Christ, but that Christ chose you? Well, yes, I did, Pastor. 30 years ago at a Billy Graham crusade, I went forward and I accepted Christ. No, you didn't. You know what the Bible says in Acts? The Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the things said by Paul. And in the book of Acts, the, the apostles are preaching and it says, as many as were appointed to eternal life believe. I don't doubt that you accepted Christ and you trust in Christ and you repented. But you know why you did that? Because according to the Bible, before you were born, God predestined you to be saved, gave you the Holy Spirit. He's the one that helped you repent and come to Christ. That ain't something you did. Jesus said to the disciples in John 15, you did not choose me. I chose you. So the first thing, the first thing that'll make revival happen, God has to choose to do it. That's why we need to pray for it. Second thing that happens in revival, look at verse 5, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5. Because our gospel came to you, Thessalonians, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So God chooses to do revival. That's the first thing. And then secondly, you get full conviction. God gives you full conviction. Now, conviction of what? Well, I have been reading... John Wesley's diary. I've got it somewhere, but it's over there, so I won't pick it up. But I want you, John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. John Wesley got on horseback, rode all over England preaching the gospel. Some people loved it, some people hated it, but many people came to Christ through John Wesley's ministry. And um, listen to what he writes in his diary from 1740. I preached, and while I was speaking, several dropped down as dead. And among the rest, such a cry was heard of sinners groaning for the righteousness of faith as almost drowned out my voice. But many of these soon lifted up their heads with joy 
and broke out into thanksgiving, being assured they now had the desire of their soul, the forgiveness of sins. Did you see the two things God convicted them of? Number one, of their sinfulness, and number two, of God's forgiveness. And if you're going to have revival, God will deal with you in two ways. He'll convict you of your sin, but then He will assure you that through Christ, your sins are forgiven. I, uh, years ago, I, there's a church called the Vineyard Church out in California. And I went to a conference there years ago. I think it was like four days in a row. And I don't cry much, <laughs> hardly ever. But I walked into this big church and they had beautiful worship, wonderful preaching. And I'd sit down and during the worship, I just started to weep. And this happened four nights in a row. And you know what was getting to me? Two things. Number one, my sinfulness. And number two, God's forgiveness. You know, when you get revived, you get very conscious of how sinful you are, but you also get very conscious of how God forgives your sin. So if somebody goes, I'm, I'm preaching at a revival meeting um, uh, tomorrow night. And if somebody goes to a revival and they say, well, pastor, I, I went to a revival, I jumped up and down, I got goosebumps, I yelled. <laughs> That's not revival. Here's revival. Oh, pastor, I went to a revival and I got so convicted about the way I treat my wife. I got so convicted about how I don't tithe and I, I, I'm just greedy with my money. I got so convicted of my pornography problem. You know, you fill in the blank, but that's revival. When he convicts you of your sins and also, hallelujah, of his forgiveness. Next verse is verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. And you became imitators of us, the apostles, and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So first, God chooses to do the revival. Second, you get convicted of your sins and of God's mercy. Third thing that happens, you get affliction with joy. When you get revived, you'll get afflicted. People won't like it, but you'll get joy. Here's what John Wesley wrote uh, again in his diary. 1739, I preached in the morning at Newport on what must I do to be saved. They were the most insensible, ill-behaved people I have ever seen in Wales. One old man, during a great part of the sermon, cursed and swore almost incessantly, and toward the conclusion took up a great stone, which he many times attempted to throw, but that he could not do. <laughs> and you know, you read, you read Wesley's diary. Get the journal of John Wesley. They'll beat him up in one town. He'll just get on his horse and go to the next. And then they'll accept Christ. I mean, back and forth, he gets affliction and then he gets joy. And then he gets, th that's the Christian life. I know a dear Christian couple, humble, loving couple. They got an invitation to their lesbian niece's wedding. And they prayed about it. And finally, he called his brother and said, you know, I love your daughter and I always will, but we don't think this is good for her. So just because we love her, we can't come to this wedding. And click, uh, they don't talk anymore. They won't talk to him. And they've had affliction over this. It's been hard on this couple. So you get affliction. But you also get the joy of knowing you did the right thing. <laughs> so
So when the revival comes, God chooses to do it. He convicts you of your sins and of His mercy. You get affliction with joy. Look at verse 6. Excuse me, verse 7. I'm sorry, we're going to skip down to verse 9. <laughs> okay, here we go. For they themselves, other people, report concerning us apostles the kind of reception we, the apostles, had among you, the Thessalonians, and how you turned to God from idols. There's the next step in revival. You turn. Now, we said, we said earlier, you get convicted. That's true, but that's not enough. Revival is you actually turn. Do you know that unbelievers get convicted of their sins? I mean, when Joe the atheist beats up his wife, he feels bad too. But that's not revival. Revival is when you feel so bad you turn. I mean, if somebody says, well, Pastor Brock, I feel bad about my drinking problem. Well, that's not revival. Revival is, I feel so bad about it, I'm going to turn. I'm going to go to AA every week the rest of my life if I have to. But I'm going to work on this thing. <laughs> I was talking with a good friend of mine last week, a Christian man who has a pornography problem. And he feels bad about it. But I said to him, you know, now it's time to fight. And I said to him, I encourage you to do what I do. I have covenant eyes on my iPhone. I have covenant eyes on my computer to block out uh, pornography from coming in so I can't access it. I've got a, a mature Christian man who I talk to and he holds me accountable. I said to my friend, you got to start fighting because feeling bad is not revival. Repenting, turning, fighting is when revival happens. Next step in revival, again, is verse 9. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. It's not enough to be convicted. It's not even enough to turn. The next step in revival, you serve. You start serving the Lord. So let me ask you, are you presently serving the Lord with your life? Are you doing anything on a regular basis to serve the Lord? That's why you're on earth, is to serve the Lord. You doing anything? I remember my Christian education director years ago when I was at a church, she said, you know, I'm, Pastor Tom, I'm trying to get Sunday school teachers, but what I keep getting is, well, I'm an older person. I did that years ago. Let somebody else do it. I heard that and I thought, why don't you do it again? <laughs> you know, you know my, maybe my earliest memory of church, I was about five years old, and there was an old man teaching us Sunday school. And I, I, have a, I remember he had to vanish then. I wonder if he died because he, he left partway through the year. But I just remember sensing that old man loves us little kids. And what I, I, want, I want to say this to you. Are you serving the Lord? Are you doing anything to serve the Lord? How many people at your church no, don't just sit in church, but are doing something to serve the Lord? There was a man who um, was taking a group. He was the boss, and he was taking people, a little group through his factory, giving them the tour. And, and one of the people in the tour group put up his, uh, Sir, how many people do you have working at this factory? And the boss said, Oh, about half of them. <laughs> Are you serving the Lord? And I'll tell you what my, the friend that I have that has a porn problem, he says to me, you know, 
who am I to talk to people about the Lord? I mean, with my sin problem, I mean, I don't think I could serve the Lord. And I said to him, you know, you need to start fighting. But I also said, I know that feeling. I'm a sinner too. But the devil tries to keep us quiet about Christ because of our sins. We got to just do it anyway. I love this definition of evangelism. Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where he can find bread. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Evangelism, sharing your faith, is one beggar telling another beggar where he can find bread. So even though you're not worthy to serve him, neither am I, do it anyway. I, I, I read this. Uh, I'm going to share it with you here. Way back many years ago, a group of Chinese soldiers were camped outside of Shanghai. One night, a um, dog comes into the camp with something in his mouth. The soldiers take this thing out of his mouth, and it's, it's a copy of the New Testament all chewed up. They read a couple pages. It was interesting. They went followed the dog back to where it came from, came from a Christian hospital. They went up to the person in charge, what is this book? They gave the chaplain to the, the soldiers. The chaplain went back to the camp. 200 people heard the gospel that night from the chaplain. And, and um, the point I'm trying to make is, if God can use a dog's mouth to preach the gospel, he can use yours. <laughs> All right. So, again, I'm going to ask, are you doing anything to serve the Lord? And here's the last step of revival. Look at verse 10. And you wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The last step of revival is you wait eagerly for the second coming. Do you know what the second coming is? It might happen tonight, we'll hear trumpets. Jesus will come down in the clouds for every eye to see. All the dead are raised. One by one you stand before the throne of Jesus Christ and it's, he judges you. Those who trust him go to heaven, those who reject him go to hell, and then the earth melts with fire. And when you are, are revived, you want that to happen. I mean, especially when I turn on the news right now and what a mess our world is in, it's kind of like, come Lord Jesus. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, thy kingdom come. Boy, do we need to pray that today. There is a village up near the North Pole. And up in the north, near the North Pole, night lasts for months. At this village, when they know the sun is going to come up over the horizon for the first time in months, the villagers put on their brightest clothing, colorful clothing. They go to the hill, and when the sun comes over the horizon, they say, behold the sun, behold the sun, and they hug each other. When you are revived, you want the sun to come out. <laughs> you want the second coming of the Son of God to happen, and you look forward to that. All right. And, and one more point on this. I was told if you count the verses, do you know the one subject that comes up more than any other single subject in the New Testament? It's the second coming of Christ. That comes up more than any other subject. So let's review this. We need, we need revival in America. 
How would that happen? Well, number one, God chooses if and when and how that happens, so pray for it. God is the one that has to move. Then, second thing that happens, God convicts you of your sin and of His forgiveness. Next, you get affliction with joy. Then you turn from your sin and start fighting it. Then you start serving God, even though you're unworthy. And then you wait for the second coming. Can I just ask you, would you close your eyes? And just, I would ask you to take a time to, and let's say this, Lord God, whoever's watching this show, what sin would you have me turn from? What am I doing that you want me to stop doing? Or is there something, I don't know, tithing or witnessing or serving a food shelf? I don't know. Is there something you want me to start doing? Lord, what, what sin are you telling me to repent of? And then let me ask you this question. Do you have the conviction that your sins are forgiven? That because of Christ and what he did for you, you are forgiven of your sins and you're going to heaven? Do you have that? And then lastly, are you serving the Lord? What would the Lord have you start doing right now to serve him? Lord, we pray for this revival to happen in America, in the world, and in each of our individual lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the question and answer portion of our show. Again, uh, she's still gone. Jackie, who, who normally asks the question, had some dental surgery, but she'll be back. So you can pray for her, her, her surgery. But uh, let's do the questions now. Uh, next, doesn't everybody have free will to choose Christ or not? I don't think so. It says in Romans chapter 9, it, our salvation, does not depend upon the man who wills but on God who has mercy. God hardens whom he wills and he has mercy on whom he wills. I believe the Bible teaches the only reason you believe in Christ is because before you were born, God predestined to give you the gift of faith. It says in the book of Acts, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the things said by Paul. In the book of Acts, the apostles were preaching and it says, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So if you're a believer in Christ right now, Praise God for that. God is the one who brought you to faith in Christ. Something else is also true, though. If you, if you reject Christ, that's your fault. <laughs> you can't blame God for that. So uh, both are true. How this all holds together, only the Lord knows. Next. When I think of ways I have sinned in my past, I have trouble believing God has really forgiven me. How can I know if he has? Well, I tell you what I like to do. I, I like to, when I sin, I confess my sins, and then I claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes I still feel guilt, but I ignore it because the Bible promises me that when you confess, He forgives. So I would encourage you, if you have some horrible sins in your past, maybe you can't, don't think God can forgive you, uh, the thief on the cross was forgiven. Paul, who persecuted the church, was forgiven. David, in the Old Testament, committed murder and adultery and was forgiven, and then wrote Psalm 51, where he confessed his sins. You might want to take out the Old Testament. Read out loud Psalm 51 and confess your sins, but then claim Christ that in Romans, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And don't let the devil tell you you're not forgiven. Don't let your guilt feelings tell you you're not forgiven. Claim the, the written word and, and just, a pastor said, immediately confess your sin, 
put it under the blood of Christ, and then forget it. Forgive yourself and move on. So that's what I would do. Also, I love taking Holy Communion and hearing the words, shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. Communion is a way God can assure us that we are indeed forgiven. Do you believe we are living in the last days before Christ's second coming? I don't know. I, I've never seen a time like we're in right now in the United States or in the world with this virus and everything. It's, it's like a time we've never seen. Does it mean we're in the end? Not necessarily. I mean, the Black Plague in the 14th century and wiped lots of Europe out, and they thought it was the end of time. It wasn't. So only the Lord knows. Um, Here's a question that came in. I've got two minutes here. Um, I have relatives who go to a church, but they say they do not believe in hell. On one program, you gave out the scripture passages, but I couldn't copy them all down. So uh, here, here we are. Let me tell you the verses that talk about hell. Hell is conscious torment, according to Matthew 13:50, Mark 9:48, Revelation 14:10. Hell is eternal. It lasts forever and it's irreversible. You can't go to hell and then somehow wake, wake up in heaven eventually. Uh, Rome, that's in Revelation 14, 11, Revelation 20, 14, Revelation 20, 15. Uh, some people believe that uh, you'll be annihilated uh, if you don't believe in Christ. You won't go to hell, but you'll just be annihilated. No, John chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus said there's going to be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. Everybody gets raised from the dead going to one of two places. So uh, again, uh, hell is in the Bible. Jesus taught it and you need to come to Christ. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, you need to get that settled like now. And what you need to do is you need to come to Christ and say, I'm sorry for my sins. Take some time and confess your sins to God. Say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you now for the forgiveness of my sins that you died for me and rose again. And then if you've never been baptized, you go to the, first of all, you find a good church and start going every week. And then you uh, tell the pastor you need to be baptized if you haven't been. But uh, uh, hell exists, heaven exists. You need to know Christ to be saved. That's, Jesus said, I'm the only way to God the Father, John 14, 6. Well, that is the program for today. We talked uh, on our program today about um, just the importance of of uh, loving God and turning to Him. And if you have a question, feel free to send it in. Um, if you want to watch this show again, go to pastorstudy.org. All of our TV shows are there, and we have like a gazillion there. It's for free. Just push the button and watch whatever show you like. If you would, pray for our ministry. Uh, we have been nationally on TV now for 10 years. We've, we've had a TV show for... Uh, well, since a long, long time, but nationally we've been on for 10 years. Your uh, gifts are appreciated because you help us stay on the air. Pray for us and God bless you. We'll see you next time on The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.